Harvey, I want to thank you for taking the time to be here. Oh man, thank you. I, ever since I saw the podcast of you and uh, Dan, uh-huh. Dan Smith. That was my first podcast, as a matter of fact. Really? That was the first one, one I did with Dan. Okay. Yes. So I said, well, let me try to get in contact with him and see if I can't get on there. Yeah. And I met you through Mike Price. Mike Price, is that right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah he's the one who says you should get in contact with Lance. I'd like to have him on. Is he still here? No, he's uh, back in California. Okay. Yeah. All but right. he, he's planning to come here, I think, in June. Okay. All yeah. right. Yeah. Well, Harvey, let's start off. Where were you born? I was born uh, in Detroit, mm-hmm. uh, July 28, 1956. Okay. All right. Wow. Yeah. So you've been here for a little bit. <laughs> yeah, I've been on All right. Been, been on the scene. Tell me about <laughs> it. So do you have brothers and sisters? Uh, yes, it was uh, it was five boys and two girls. Okay, where are I you have, ranked? Where are you ranked? I'm the there? baby boy. The baby boy. <laughs> yeah. So how are your siblings doing? Uh, well, I have one brother that was next to me because he's been passed away. He passed away in 1992. Okay. And um, I guess my oldest brother is just turned 83. 83? Yes. Are you close with your family? With your, with oh, your siblings? Yeah. You guys are close? Oh yeah, yeah, wow. definitely. So I he's 83, then after him is? After him is Geraldine, my oldest sister. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then after Geraldine, uh, well even before Geraldine, my father had a son way back. Okay. Uh, the oldest one, my mom had two sons, one of them are deceased. And Leon is 83, and my brother in New York is 82. Okay. And he's probably, I'm hoping and praying and coaxing him to come here in May. Okay. Yeah. And then there's uh, uh, my baby's, my brother James, Mm -hmm. and then uh, my baby sister Loretta is about five, six years younger than me. Okay. Yeah. Right. And your mother and father, are they doing well? Uh, my mother and father are unfortunately deceased. Okay. Yeah. Sorry to hear that. Yeah. So, Mom, you were, so you, wait, so it sounds to me like your your father had, not just by your mother, by your mother, how many kids by, are there? By, by your mother. By my mother is, uh, it starts with Geraldine, James, Milton, me, and Loretta. Okay, so you have a baby sister too. Yes, yeah, right, baby okay. sister. And then your mother, your mother had other kids by someone yeah, other than she your father. Had two, she had two uh, before. Before my your dad. father. Okay. Yeah. And my dad had one. I think it was two. Doesn't <laughs> know of one. I understand. Yeah, my brother okay. Johnny. All right, all right. So there were five of you through your mother and father mm-hmm. that are same parents. Right. That's interesting. Yes. So tell me, when you were growing up, were you more did you guys stay in the same place, or did you move around a lot, or were you? Well, you know, because a lot of them are older, you mm-hmm. know, they they started dating and going their way, and some got married and all that. Yeah, a few of them. Uh, Leon, Earl, uh, well, Milton, he never got married, whatever. I've been married once. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, we all... Had, certain points, whatever, were in the same 
big household. Okay. <laughs> Seventeen right. room house. <laughs> Seventeen room house. On the east side of Detroit, yes. Wow. That's pretty big. Yeah. My goodness. What kind of work did your father do? My father worked at uh, Chrysler Corporation. Okay. He was a welder. Detroit, Detroit. Detroit. Of <laughs> that was the auto. That was the auto industry of that, the world. Yeah. Absolutely. In the fifties, sixties. Yeah. Fifties and sixties. Yeah. That's right. So then, your mother did she work as well, or was she just? Mom was mostly a housewife, and she, you know, helped out with different friends. Uh, uh, she used to run the elevator for a very good friend of ours named uh, Miss Maudine. And it's a really, this is an interesting story, short little story here. Uh, there was a teller in that building on Broadway Street downtown called Michael the Teller. And the, uh, the Miracles, Smokey Robinson, mm -hmm. would get their clothes made there. And him and my mom, whatever, they just, when they met, they got it on. She loved some Smokey Robinson, and he loved her. So I can remember going down there sometimes and uh, hanging out with Smokey when I was about four, five years old. He'd take us to the corned beef place, whatever Broadway market, whatever, and get corned beef for Mom, and me and him would split one. That's beautiful. Yeah. Smokey Robinson. Smokey, yes. Wow. And his hazel eyes, or what color his eyes? Kind of brownish or whatever, light brown? Yeah, light brown, yeah. hazelish. Hazel, yeah, yeah, right, right. Yeah. <laughs> Smoky, my goodness. Let me ask you this. So when you were growing up, were you more academic as a kid or were you more sports-minded when you were growing up? When I Detroit? was growing up, you know, like we first, as a little kid, we had a, <coughs> a gospel group first, a music thing. But I was more sports-orientated. Uh, I was... Uh, as a small kid, I used to be a baseball pitcher. I always loved my baseball. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And bowling. And you bowled as well. Yeah. I, I, I started growing up. I met a family of people, the Denard family. And their, their youngest son is my best friend today, and he's 10 years older than I am, Archie. Okay. And that whole family bowled, and they, we started bowling. My sister bowled, whatever. She bowled with a black uh, a guy. She dated a black guy that was a professional bowler in Detroit area, uh, Mr. Vernon Flowers. And uh, that's how that got started. And then we were singing, and I can't even remember when we started. We had a group called the Thompson Spirituallettes. Mm -hmm. And um, my brother started playing piano, James. And mom put an ad in the paper saying pianist available. And this minister came to our house. His name was Reverend Amos Pennyman. And to not to our knowing whatever we found out after we started knowing him, uh, he was the first cousin of Little Richard Pennyman. <laughs> Is that right? <laughs> right. The rock and roller. And we used to go. Uh, down to Georgia and stuff and do revivals because his uh, family was in South Georgia. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, those were the days. So you've been singing since when? I've been singing this gospel, whatever, and of course it led later on to jazz, mm -hmm. but I've been singing since I was easily four or five years old. Okay. So you went from Six. elementary, junior high school, and junior high school, were you still involved? pretty much was singing and music? 
I was involved with singing and music as well as uh, uh, the bowling. You, bowling you, you know, I wanted to be the first black um, professional bowler on the PBA tour. Right. And of course, we didn't have whatever, like uh, us in the black community didn't have monies or whatever, like our parents didn't have monies to buy the equipment and everything. And my uh, white friends, uh, their cousins or their uncles or their parents owned bowling lanes right, so right. they could bowl for free. Mm -hmm, so yeah. it was it was rough, but we we kept at it. Got two paper routes <laughs> to support my bowling habit. Right. Do you still bowl? No, I, I, I bowled once, I bowled for a while while I was here. Mm -hmm. I was on a show called Let's Bowling, they called it. Okay. Yeah, here, here in, in Japan. Yeah, here in Tokyo. Okay, in Tokyo. Let's yeah. bowl. Yeah. Is that right? Because one of my friends is an avid bowler and my mother's an avid bowler. Mm -hmm. She still bowls. She's 94 years old. Oh, my God. She hasn't bowled for a year, but when she came here for her 91st birthday, I had her here three years ago. Because mm -hmm. I, I called her and said, Mom, what do you plan on doing for your 91st? Because her 90th we had in the States. Right. And everybody came. All right. my siblings, and we were all there. So for her 91st, I just called her and said, Mom, you have anything planned for your 91st? She said, not really. I said, would you be interested in coming to Japan again? Mm. She said, sure. So I flew over here. She stayed mm -hmm. here for six days. She, mm -hmm. she laughed because I was clear about that. Six days. I could say. Anyway, <laughs> she came. And the second day we went bowling in Odaiba, she beat me by two points. And Ooh. I wasn't trying to let her win. Right, she right, said right. a win's a win. She, she said a win's a win. And she and I have it all on tape. She beat me by two points. Oh, wow. And I went, because I looked up at the ninth frame and I thought, well, wait, wait. She's wait, ahead. Wait. <laughs> yes, was, wait just a minute. And she, she beat me by two points. That really shocked me. Anyway, and then she goes back and then I went back to go see her when, 90, when she was 93. Hmm. Went back again to see her, and I went. And I have a, I have it on, I have it on my phone, iPhone of her bowling strikes all during her practice. Oh, well, then I would love to see just that. for the, just for the practice. I'll show it to you. You know, yeah. after we finish this practice, after that, she wanted me to leave because she was off her game. Right, she said right. she wanted me in there, so I left, came back. She still was off her game. <laughs> Didn't work. She's the oldest on the league in the league they have. So, after that, in high school, what'd you do in high school? Because that's when you're really starting to get your stride when you get in high school. Well, okay, I got out of high school, I guess because I had been double promoted, and then I went to summer school. So I was 16, June of 73, and that would have put me one month from being 17. So I got, mostly, mostly all of us get out at 18 and do whatever you're gonna do, work, go to college, or whatever, you know. But um, I, uh, in, in, in that high school thing, man, it was just, because uh, I had started the jazz thing, I was listening to jazz at that point. All my buddies, this was like amazing, all my buddies that we were bowling with, and the Teen Masters and all of that stuff, the Millen family, James, uh, Ken, and Greg. I mean, we were like buddies, buddies. And they all lived on the same street. The Millen family, 
the Wright family, the Jones family, who I'm still very close to today, the Williams family, and they all lived on this end part of uh, Seminole, right by Forest Street. So it was just amazing. All of us really loved jazz. Well, everybody else our age was listening to pop music, whatever. Of course, we listened to pop music too, uh, Motown, because everybody was there. You know, the the the, the Temps, the Fort Tops. A lot of my friends, whatever, in, in the musician world, were either like a musical director, whatever, maybe for the Spinners or something like right, that. Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So it was really something at how bowling and music from the gospel transcending into jazz, how I had sort of like a dual career okay. going. Yes. You know? So, and, and, and bowling was funny because I, I worked so hard, and then one time I was in a slump for about a year. I couldn't do nothing, I couldn't get it together. And this one night at Luxury Lanes in Ferndale, I says, if I don't win a jackpot tonight, that's it, I'm quitting. So I shot a 256 and the guy shot a 258, two pins. He beat me the last game. And that was for all the big money, so to speak, the jackpot. And I, left, I took all my bowling balls, whatever, and <laughs> threw them in the parking lot. I said, that's you were how, done. That was, and the and the owner of the lanes, of the bowling lanes, the luxury lanes, came out and got my bowling balls. Just my bowling balls. He was saying like, he's just probably pissed off right now. Whatever, mm-hmm. he'll be all right. He'll come back for his bowling right, balls. Right. And of course, I did. Right, right. <laughs> you know? right. And so that when I stopped bowling, then that next day, I'll never forget it. I went and got a Detroit News newspaper, and I looked in the uh, want ads and everything in the, uh, it, for inter- entertainment. And it says wanted actor, wanted actors, actresses, and singers. So I say I'm gonna go downtown, whatever, and I'm gonna audition for this. And I auditioned for it, and that was the birth of my acting slash music in a way coming okay. together. So I played um, the prophet in this uh, uh, play called The Coming Prophet. And that play led to another one called Crack Steppin. And Mr. Marcus Belgrave, who was, uh, well, he's passed away now, but he was the last living member of the Ray Charles Orchestra. Okay. And Marcus started taking me to the jazz clubs, and that's how it started. I only knew a couple songs, and people would say, well, well, what do you think I should sing? Oh, try My Funny Valentine. Oh, try Misty. Try that. And it just, it never stopped. Now, what, what, what grade were you in when this happened? Oh, I had, I had just got out of high school. Just finished high school, so you didn't yeah. go to college? No, no, no. Okay, right, right. Well, I, I went to a community college for a little bit, but I didn't... I don't know, academic thing. wasn't my thing. Okay, what about the military? Did you think about doing the military, or did you do the military? No, I couldn't do the military because uh, I had thought about it, mm-hmm. because my, of course, my dad and my brother in New York 
both military. Mm -hmm. uh, but I had I was born with a a bad lower disc. Okay. A slip disc or something. Right, right. And I couldn't if you I wanted to, I pass, couldn't. Yeah. yeah. But I didn't. I, in a way, I didn't want to do that because I just didn't want to. Uh, go over some Vietnam or go over to right, some place, right, whatever, right, and exactly. might not ever make it back. That's right. So I'll stick with my bowling and my singing. How old were you when you left Detroit the first time? Uh, the very first, well, we had been, as a family, traveling, going to revivals and everything. Our family, the Thompson family, uh, from a little kid. That's why I really, really appreciated my mom for taking us down south, taking us to Cincinnati, taking us to see not only her people. My which aunt, are from where? Uh, which they are from uh, Georgia. Okay, Georgia. Right. From uh, Madison, Georgia, about okay. 35 miles southeast of Atlanta. All right. All right. And going down there and seeing and meeting and staying with my, in the country, with my Uncle Clifford, my father's oldest brother and Where's his he wife. from? Where's your father from? The same they place? They're from the same town. Oh, the same town. They knew each other when they, they were growing up? They knew each other. They knew each other and they went their separate ways and came, came back, back together, together, whatever, and fell in love. And oh, that's beautiful. And <laughs> here we are. <laughs> okay. I guess they went their separate ways, saw that it's not any better out there than it is here. We might as well be with each other. That's great. Right. Well, That's he was. I guess they kept. Oh, he in was contact. in World War Two. He was in he, World War Two. Yeah, he was in World War. That's II. right. So he didn't have a choice. Yeah. Like yeah, my he father. He had to go. He yeah. had to go. Yeah. <laughs> but that was the only that they say many times that was the last real war, mm -hmm. where you had pride because you we had a purpose. We were fighting for democracy. We were going right. against uh, tyrants from other countries that were planning on taking over the world. Right. So that was our last true real war. After that, it all became. Vietnam Crazy. to the street, you know, it just didn't make sense. Vietnam and I was Vietnam. Sense. The yeah, Gulf was War, not a lot of stuff, it didn't make It's interesting. Well, it's, it's a place where they test a lot of weapons and stuff, but still, it helps to keep our our military superiority. you got to test on something. I don't know if that's, that's, that's a good reason or not, but we do it. So tell us, so, so after high school, when was the first time, you know, you traveled outside the United States? Um... Outside the United States, I think it was, I went, my first trip was to London. London. Oh, when that happened? How was that? London and Scotland. I was mm, maybe middle 20s. Okay. And what, why did you go? Why did you go to those areas? Well, I wanted to, I was performing up in this place called, well, in Ann Arbor, Michigan, uh, the Bird of Paradise. And I had become a nice fixture, had a wonderful group, all this other stuff. And this lady I met, she told me, she says, you gotta meet my sister. You have to go to like London, whatever, in Scotland. So I said, kinda, yeah, but she kept at me at it. And I says, I'm gonna go, you know. That was my first trip uh, abroad going. So I went to London for I think it was, well, I went to London for two days, then I went to Scotland uh, for the Glasgow Jazz Festival. And some of the people, some people I really knew were from Detroit, Jerry Allen, Ralph Armstrong, we're in a group together. Um, what's uh, Ray Brown, who plays bass, whatever, with Oscar Peterson. Mm -hmm. 
So I saw all of those people, whatever, and then I met uh, the lady's uh, sister, Fiona, Fiona Duncan. And she's a singer. And we, um, she started letting me sit in with her and stuff. I mean, it was. Where was this? This was in Glasgow, Scotland. And she lets you sit in with, so you sang there. That was your first time singing I outside sang of America. There. Yeah. Yeah, that was the first time singing so outside. So how'd that feel? Oh, it was, I mean, I had sung all over the United States. So, I right. mean, I was used to traveling that way. Right, right, right. But to, to be overseas. To go, yeah, to get on that plane and go over to Scotland. I don't, don't know anybody in Scotland, whatever. Right, right, <laughs> right. Only right, black guy. Right. <laughs> Yeah. In London, of course, there's a lot of uh, of black people That's there, right. but That's not right. much in Scotland. Right. Wow. So then, after traveling there, then how did your life change from that point on? Did you continue to travel outside of the United States, or did you? Oh yeah, I uh, I went to um, Istanbul, Turkey. And this was really, really. Uh, surprise and I mean I had been working trying to get sending my resume and everything because back in the day whatever you had to mail everything or either put on your suit whatever and go and give it to people mm -hmm. you know so uh, I was trying to get a, a job in I believe it was Dubai that didn't come through I was trying to get a job on the car uh, carnival cruise lines that didn't come through, but and I, so I started with this turkey thing, and it came through. So I was in Turkey, uh, Istanbul, for three months, to maybe even a, a week or so over three months, but anyway, three months. And the biggest mistake to me that I possibly made was we worked every night. No, not no. No breaks at all. No. <laughs> How many sets? Sunday through Sunday. How many Sunday. sets? Oh God, we would start at um, like eleven, eleven thirty at night. Okay. We would start kind of late, and we would go during the week until five, and sometimes uh, on Saturday nights or Friday nights, we would go until like six or seven. So that had, that had to wear you down. How long oh, was that? How long was that? For what period of time did you do this? Do uh, you mean what year? No, no, I'm not. No, I no. mean how long did that continue? One month, two months, three, three months. Three months. The first, the first two weeks, the first three weeks, we worked six days. Then the owner of the Q bar was outside on the water. Beautiful. He asked us. He said, "You know, if you want to." I will pay you double to work the seventh day. So we got together and we discussed it, whatever, and we says, well, let's try it. And so we did it, and of course that money came in hand, saving it, whatever, going back to. He actually gave it to you? Yeah, he actually he did, he gave paid, us. He, he met his commitment, because a lot of people yeah. in the music business sometimes get taken. You oh know, yeah, and there's nothing they can, especially when you're out of your country. Yeah, yeah, we had a contract, but it's still a contract. Don't mean anything. Then, then if somebody <laughs> wants to take you, they can take they you. It's just a piece of paper. You. That's right. So I, I mean, you learn that after a while too. But I've heard of a lot of people in the music industry, well, in any in industry, it doesn't have yeah. to be just music. If you're dealing with someone who's shady in one way or another, and you're not in your own country too, right? There's not a lot see, of recourse. There's not a lot of stuff you can do other the, than leave. 
Yeah, <laughs> the, the thing was, the thing was, too, you had some foreign entertainers from um, Cuba that were over there. And you have to watch yourself. I mean, really, we were, the, 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 the Q Bar and uh, Sharon Palace is where we were at. This is where all the diplomats and presidents and everything like that, whatever, um, come come there. Bush and et cetera, et cetera, has have been there. But what these cab drivers, the cab drivers were really something else. The cab drivers, like, okay, they knew that we got paid on a Tuesday. So they would they would set you up. You like go. You got this money and everything, whatever you know. Just got came out of the cue bar during the afternoon, and you uh, would want to like go seaside somewhere, you know, because you'd meet. I mean, we met a whole lot of different people, whatever, a lot of different women, whatever that would in the afternoon or something take us to lunch, and it would be way out seaside. So. Some of these Cuban uh, musicians would take a cab, and then the taxi driver would stop at a little uh, stand, whatever, with cigarettes and gum and all of this stuff, man. And he start talking to a, a guy on the streets. Blah 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 blah. blah, 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 blah. He's going the same way. He's going the same way you're going. And they got took and they got robbed. Gunpoint or something? It could uh, have been guns what, out there. What, no, a uh, knife or something? Knife. Knife, okay, knife. Because yeah. a gun, I think they'd be in yeah, big trouble in. Yeah, in Turkey. In Turkey, there's no <laughs> joke, yeah. Yeah, there's so, no. So, so how did that, were you married during that time, or were you still no. single? No, I was still so single. So. I didn't get married until I came here. So when did you, let's, try, let's go to that point. How did you end up coming to Japan? Um, in Detroit, uh, in the fall of 19... I think it was like 1988, I went downtown to this new restaurant and um, a friend of mine, Larry Manderville, his trio was playing. And I had got a call from a friend of mine, uh, Mr. Dunmore, who uh, you have to meet, you know, from phone or whatever. And he, uh, he says, Harvey, man, I had a dream that you playing with a Jap- with a Japanese trio. So you know that's the farthest thing from my mind. So mm-hmm. I'm gonna say, no way in the world I'm gonna play with a Japanese. And, but anyway, when Larry Mandeville's playing at this restaurant, the on stage, there was a Japanese lady sitting in the back by herself. Larry called her up, her name was Keiko. She played a tune. And he called me up, and I never shall forget it. It was the song "Sunny." Your sunny right. yesterday. Right, right, right. So I did that, and we went back, and we exchanged numbers. I got on the phone and called Greg. I says, "Greg, I met this Japanese piano player. We got to set up a, a rehearsal or something." So. So we drove out there and stuff, and she has a big grand piano and everything in her house. And we started performing together. And then she, we started dating, and we started performing together. 
and she says, I want you to come to Japan with me uh, December of 1989. And so I went for a month, first time, shocked, like I don't know what, never knew anything about Japanese right. uh, people. And I mean, it was like, I guess that was the end of the uh, bubble. The big no. boom, the bubble years. No, it was it was it was just getting ready to start. It was during the bubble years. If you came in, what time? Eighty-eight. No, the first time I came was December of uh, nineteen eighty-nine. Eighty-nine. So the yeah. bubble was about to burst. Yes. It was about to burst. Yes. So I came back the following mm -hmm. December of nineteen eighty-nine, December of nineteen ninety, and. During the 90s there, whatever, when I came back that December of 1989 on January 31st, which is my oldest brother Leon's birthday, my mom fell and had a major stroke. So mom was just out. So now all the responsibility of the family fell on me and my brother, partially James, but I was the one driving them and doing all that stuff, paying bills, all that. And so she had the stroke. She lived for two more years. Mom passed away May of 92. Mm -hmm. We buried her the Saturday before Mother's Day. So I never will forget it. I had a job that next day in Ann Arbor, Michigan, about an hour away. And then there's a song called Song for My Father. And I turned it around and made it Song, song for My Mother. mother. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah. Right. So, you know, and then I started traveling a little bit more. I went down to um, Acapulco, Mexico, and um, I started thinking whatever towards like 98 there. I was like, I don't know, maybe I should go to Japan. Another friend of mine, uh, Miss Margaret Massey, had moved to Hawaii. So Margaret says, like, look, I want you to come to Hawaii. She says, don't worry about anything. Just come to Hawaii. Stay here a couple months, three months, four months, whatever you want to do. So I went and I stayed with her and I was reacquainted again with more Japanese people in Hawaii. You weren't married then? No. Not that. Mm -mm. So you didn't marry the woman that you were playing? The, the I didn't marry the her. No, no. That was we Keiko. just dated. Yeah, right, okay. Yeah, we just dated. But once I got over here, right. December of uh, 2002, Okay. that's when I met through a saxophone player, this lady that was working uh, at his hotel, a little small mm -hmm. hotel. And uh, we started dating, and what, a year and a half, two years mm -hmm. later, we got married. Wow. Did you have kids? No. No kids, okay. No kids. Is she a musician Musician or anything? Or does she... No, she was just a, a girl to okay. working, whatever, right. cooking and all that. But we right. just met and we just started right. kicking it. Right. <laughs> did you have any, did you ever do any um, jobs in Akasaka? Well, Akasaka, yes, yes, many times. Okay, okay. Many times. So I was thinking that maybe I'd met you there, but that's not where I met you. You were somewhere else. So that's how you first came here. The first time you came here is because your friend had a dream about you. Yep, and then and I it happened. To, and then I, it was like magic. You wow. Know? It was like magic. And how, how many years have you been here now? Uh, I've been here since September of 2002. 
So that, that would be 21 years. 21 years. Do you ever have any intentions of going back? I do not want to go back to America only if I'm doing some concerts working or something okay. there. And of course to visit my family that's right, still, right, right. you know. Right. My, my oldest brother or whatever now, he has uh, prostate cancer. He's doing all right, but he's you the one that's 81? He's, he's the one that's 81 years old? No, he's 83, Leon. 83, okay. The one in New York, Johnny, is 82. He's the, who has the prostate cancer? My oldest, oldest. 83? Yeah, 83. Wow. Okay. And well, Geraldine is 71. I think James is 70 or somewhere up in there. So maybe Geraldine now is 72. So the years go by so fast. Don't they? Now. Yeah. Don't they? The older you get, the quicker they go. I think a year becomes a month. You know, it seems like it's a month or something. The month seems like a week. Look at this It goes year. by very quick. Yes. Already. It's already, it's already March. whatever, March. March. It just started. <laughs> we were just doing Happy New Year just a few minutes ago. Right, right. And it changes quick. <laughs> wow. So, Harvey, tell me, so where are you now in your, you, because I believe you've done a couple of, have you ever done an album or did you just have some records? You've had some oh, music yeah. deals? Yeah, I, I was... You know, I was I was blessed that when I first came here, I met a saxophone player uh, that introduced me to this guy named Andre Wilson, and Andre Wilson became friends with some uh, wedding planner, uh, owner of these different uh, chapels, all from Kanazawa all the way down to Osaka. This man had all this. So it was me, Tony, he got together a, a little posse, a group of guys, whatever, and we would all, you know, be singing at this place, that place. Sometimes Saturdays and Sundays, I mean, we would have six, sometimes seven jobs, you know. Start at 10 in the morning, finish around 5. And we... Um, uh, from from that, whatever, that's how I quickly got the money to go into the studio and record my first CD called Love's Just Funny That Way. And it's funny about that song, Love's Just Funny That Way. The piano player that I worked with in Istanbul that was his original song, and one day he comes out with a piece of paper, whatever, says, Harvey, you want to play this song? I think you might be interested in it. And didn't know I was going to ever record it. Mm -hmm. But I kept it, and I was just like, wow, this is cool. And once I got over here, I had that, uh, the score to it and stuff. And one thing led to another one. I says, oh, I love my buddy Johnny Hartman the singer with the low baritone voice. And I started recording, I put together uh, a, I believe it was a 12, well it was a 14 song CD. Mm -hmm. And I went into a little studio, got my musicians together. And did it. And did it. What's the name of the album? Love's Just Funny That Way. How can people get it? Can they still get it? Uh, they can go to my, I believe, homepage maybe. Okay, which is, it. which is? which is harveyjazz.com. Okay, harveyjazz.com. But the one, the, and then I, once I got up here, 
I met a, a gentleman that has a club called a Keystone Club in Rapungi. Mm -hmm. And we recorded a live CD at his place. That's the last one. This year, that's available. You can get it, I believe, on my um, homepage also. Uh, but we're Which one is that? That's another, no, it's the, a the, song, it's a song, right? Uh, well, this is a CD, I'm sorry, this is a CD called um, Everything Must Change. Everything Must like Change. Like the song. Okay. okay. And of course, I recorded the song too. Right. So it's a live CD. Uh, right now, we have been in the process of recording material and we got to record some more, some gospel stuff uh, coming up. Because we formed a group called UC Love, Universal Choir of Love, well, the UC Love Ensemble. And we get together on Sundays and we rehearse and we keep adding tunes and adding tunes. We've had a few uh, live concerts where we did a, a lot of the gospel, one in Osaka and various clubs like at the Satin Dow. Mm -hmm. And that's in Rapunki too. Right, right, right. Fuchu, Fuchu Art Theater. Okay. You know, we've done some concerts there. So it's evolving, you know, and I'm trying to grow this thing where it is a universal, there is Italian people, it is African people, as well as us, uh, white Americans or Europeans, I don't care. All of us come together, mm -hmm. you know. So th this song uh, that we have now um, is called Only Love. It's for peace. Mm -hmm. It's for mm -hmm. world peace. It's called yes. Only Love, Only Peace. Yes. And I don't know if you heard that. I did hear it. Yeah. It's very good. Yeah, it's, yes. uh, it's long. It's like three minutes, four minutes long? Yeah, about three, three, four three minutes. Three minutes, yes. Yeah. Right. And there's a video to it. That's right. I saw which, the video, uh, too. Um, um, who put together the video? It looks like the Remy Bray. You did? That was interesting. <laughs> so what... How did you compile all of that? It's really interesting to me. Where did you get the... Did you just the get it images. offline? You brought different images in. Oh, I'm just an artist. You're an artist. That was very, <laughs> inter this was, that was very interesting. I saw the dolphins. I saw everything you had in there at the end. You had pigeons. You had everything. <laughs> That's interesting. Yeah. That's interesting. That's and interesting. she's a great jewelry yes. designer. She's also your manager, right? Yes. Right. Yes. So... Rimi, actually, you're a designer by heart. That's what you, by trade, you're a designer. Yes. So you do clothing, you do... Yeah, clothing also, and jewelry, website. You do websites, clothing, jewelry, you do... You, whatever, whatever needs designing, yeah, yeah. you'll design it. Display for the shops. Or oh, that's beautiful. Lots of stuff. Oh, how long have you been doing that? Oh, just, uh, I'm living for 100 years, so 100 <laughs> years. <laughs> okay, she's done it for 100 years now, that's good. Okay, that's good. You look real good. That's good. You look good for a hundred years. <laughs> She's good for a hundred. She's done a shit. You've done century you've on done the planet. Your, you've done your homework. She's done a century. Eat lots of sushi. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, Harvey, usually before I end the podcast, I always like to ask the question. Sure. With what you know now and all your experiences, mm -hmm. if you could magically go back in time mm -hmm. and meet the younger Harvey, Mm -hmm. What advice would you give him, and how old would he be? Wow. The advice I would give him would be just never, never lose your joy. Never lose your passion. 
because I felt like sometimes the older Harvey sometimes would say, get some thoughts that uh, this is not quite, quite working for me, whatever, but from going back, whatever, when I was 21, 22 and singing, of course I had super duper fire, I didn't, I was kind of a reserved guy, whatever, but I was always mm, going and get it, you know. Never forceful, but just, oh, this is going to be happening here, that's going to be happening here. Oh, it's snowing like crazy, but I hear Kevin Mahogany, whatever, who was a new jazz singer some years back, he's passed away too now. Oh, he's at the Blackstone Hotel in Chicago, right? Oh, okay. Monday night, Tuesday night. Get on an Amtrak train, whatever, <laughs> get over to Chicago. Even in almost a foot of snow, I did it. But never lose your passion. Oh, yeah. that's beautiful. And whenever somebody tells you you can't do it, just get busier. Okay, better advice <laughs> get than busy. that. Get busy. Thank you so much, Harvey. Thank you, man. Thank I you so, so much. I want to thank all of you for watching this podcast. Make sure you press like and subscribe. And never forget, it's all unknown, so continue to reach for the stars because you're too blessed to be stressed. <laughs>